1: Warning, this podcast contains spoilers for The Last of Us episode seven and in our Nerd Out. uh, Pretty major spoilers, I think, for The Last of Us parts one and two, the video game. And depending on what The Last of Us season two decides to do, potentially for The Last of Us season two as well. So be warned about that, Nerd Out. My name is Jason Concepcion and I'm Rosie Knight and welcome to X-Ray Vision the crooked media podcast where we dive deep into your favorite <laughs> so shows, movies, comics <laughs> and pop culture. In this episode, guess what?
2: It's The Last of Us and it's going to make you cry. Like every week, in the every airlock, week. It's episode 7 and boy, if you haven't played the game, and if you have played the game, but if you haven't played the game, you're in you're in for some some sad times ahead. And in no out. Listen to Rob tells us about a possible Last of Us Part 3 video oh. game.
1: Uh, dun, dun, dun. Of course, if you want to jump around, check the show notes for timestamps coming up. The airlock. We're stepping out of the airlock and into Ellie's... Vedra Orphanage Past for The Last of Us, Episode 7, titled Left Behind, written by Neil Druckmann and directed by Liza Johnson. We start somewhere in suburban Colorado. There is a bloody trail leading to the ruin of a suburban house. Inside, Ellie is desperately trying to keep Joel alive. She has him laid out on a mattress in the garage or somewhere. She's trying to keep pressure on his gut wound, uh, which... Same place Sarah was it? You know, they're again yeah, these seems like mirror there's a images. Lot of
2: foreshadowing. And yeah. I think this is like a great moment to just kind of say the the show is doing so many smart little things to make itself more believable. Cause compared to the game where Joel's like impaled, yeah. You know, this feels very real. It feels like a real small wound that could end a life. And it does have that impact of feeling like. Is that where Sarah was here? It looks the same, and, and Joel is not doing well.
1: I mean, do we have Neosporin in the post-outbreak <laughs> future? It's unclear if there's any left. I hope so. Joel uh, is gasping, you know, leave, just leave, trying to get Ellie to just save herself, get out of there. Uh, and, and Ellie is saying, Joel, shut the fuck up. As she <laughs> she desperately, is not having again, any of it. No, she is desperately trying to save his life. Joel... You know, of course, wants Ellie to take the horse, ride back to Jackson, live out her life with Tommy and Marie. Uh, Ellie covers Joel with his jacket because he's shivering so hard. And she heads upstairs, closes the door on the room where Joel is and starts thinking about the past. And we flash back there. It is her FEDRA school. We get to see uh, Ellie at FEDRA school. Jogging in phys ed class, jogging around in a circle. Uh, She's wearing a Walkman from like 1988 Mm -hmm. and kind of loping around in a circle. And as she's doing that, a tall girl who we will uh, soon come to learn is named Bethany snatches her headphones off her head and is like, Hey, pick it up. Apparently, Uh, collective punishment is the rule at Fedra, which is not surprising. And because Ellie is slow, everybody's going to have to run extra laps. And Bethany is tired of running extra laps. So Ellie's like, okay, then I'll fight you to get my Walkman back. Bethany says, you don't fight, your friend fights. And she's not here anymore, is she? And then Ellie punches the girl in the face.
2: (laughs) It's great. It's really just a good moment. And I think as well, I feel like this is such a, important moment in Ellie's story because what we see here is this transition from the girl who lags behind, the girl who's kind of in her own world, the girl who clearly was just protected by her friend. And in this moment, we get that little bit of fierceness and agency and that Ellie that we kind of know now, which is the Ellie who's not afraid to just punch someone in the face.
1: That's a great point because as we see over the course of this episode and as we've seen over the course of this series... Ellie is often the person under the protection mm-hmm. of the fighter, the more aggressive person, the stronger person, the more confident person, as she's been with Joel. Uh, and that has been the case with her friend, who we have yet to meet, clearly. Uh, we catch up with Ellie in Captain Kwong's office. Captain Kwong is kind of the uh, the principal of this federal school. And in this meeting, we learn that Ellie's been disruptive lately. It's been just the last few weeks that this kicked off. She's obviously very smart, brilliant even. Captain Kwong notes that. um, But she's been in the hole several times over the last few weeks. When she offers to just go to the hole again for knocking Bethany out, Kwong doesn't take the bait. He's frustrated because, again, she is smarter than she's been acting. So he lays out a couple of paths her. He says, okay. Path number one, you keep fucking up and Bethany is going to be your commanding officer. How do you like that? Or two, follow the rules, become an officer, you get the better food, you get the better housing, you get the less dangerous work, and you get to give other people orders. What do you think about that? And the truth is, though she doesn't say anything here, Ellie Thinks that sounds pretty good, actually. He so,
2: he sells her on it in that moment. Yeah. There's like an honesty here, an adult who is just telling her how it is and who is basically like, look, you can either let your bullies bully you or you can rise up the ranks of this fascist organization, but then you can bully the bully. And you, you can know, also a, be in like a safer space.
1: It's, it's interesting. This scene starts with Ellie looking at... Guang's family photos. It's a, a wife and daughter, I'm assuming, right? And who knows if they're still alive or what. But thinking about this, this is our first real moment of like mm-hmm. seeing Fedra humanized because Guang yeah. says right after that kind of lecture on the two paths, he says, quote, we're the only thing holding this all together. If we go down, the people in the zone will starve and murder each other. Now, and and it's interesting because we've been framing the things that Joel or Tommy have done in the past as you did what you had to do to survive. And I think Quang would say, not only am I doing what I have to do to survive, as distasteful and at times unfair as it is, but I'm also doing what I have to do so other people could survive. He believes that. Yeah, he's that.
2: a believer. He's a believer in Fedra, and he kind of hints at this, like, you know, no matter what other people say about Fedra, yeah. like it's only us. And you know what? In the Boston QZ, I, I don't, maybe, maybe I that don't, was what was real. Maybe that was yeah. a version of that was true, at least at some point. Or that's what Kwong believes. But like, I do think it's a really interesting comparison after we saw what Fedra did in, you know, uh, Kansas City.
1: Yeah, I think that argument holds some weight. And it's also clear that there is no overarching command and control of FEDRA. Like each FEDRA has Yeah, they become, dropped them in and were like, Good they, luck. They've become their own little city-states unto themselves without any kind of like oversight. Um, but I think it's an important perspective to hear that despite the corruption of the rank-and-file soldiers... There are people who believe There are people that. at the top who are like, this is... I'm not saying this is perfect, but this is the best we got. And maybe he's, I'm not sure that he's necessarily wrong. Guang uh, then goes on to tell Ellie, you know, basically, like, I see you as a future leader. Now get Mm -hmm. your walkman and get the fuck out of (laughs) here. And and she leaves. Later, Ellie is in her room. She's reading an an issue of Savage Starlight. It is raining, much like the night where she and Joel set out on their big adventure from the QZ. You see her knife on the table next to her. Uh, She stares across the room at an empty bed. She's frustrated. She's lonely. She's clearly not getting any kind of satisfaction from reading this, this issue of Savage Starlight, and eventually she falls asleep. And when she's asleep late at night, almost two in the morning, someone creeps into the room through the window, and it is Riley. This is the person who is missing. This is the protector. This is Ellie's best friend, owner of the empty bed. And Riley has been missing for the last three weeks.
2: And I will say, this is a great bit of foreshadowing about how really is. not sensible Riley is, yeah? Because Riley creeps into this room and basically sneaks up on her armed friend, who obviously is like, what the fuck? And almost stabs her. Like, and I think that is a really good kind of like... Riley is someone who has not been made more cautious by the post-apocalypse. Riley is someone who has found that humor and pranks and kind of this lazy affair, like reckless attitude is what helps her get by. And she even says it to Ellie. She's like, it was a joke. I thought you'd find it funny.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Riley is, whereas Ellie is, by dint of, how she was raised is kind of a believer in what Fedra is selling, Riley is looking for a cause and she has clearly found it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ellie is like, are you okay? And Riley's like, I just ran away for a little bit. And then she flashes a gun, a piece. And Ellie Ellie loves a gun. Ellie loves a gun. (laughs) So she knows nobody, what she wants. She knows nobody, what she wants. Nobody loves a gun more than Ellie. Uh, and Ellie is fucking shocked uh, because, you know, Riley has joined the Fireflies. This is what this means. Um, now, uh, I would say for anyone who has been thinking of the Fireflies as like this freedom fighter organization fighting against the evils of Fedra, they just are armed like a 16 year old kid.
2: Literally. And it, and it, as we learn, and put more, her in charge of
1: bombs. Spoiler: yeah. We're going to moving ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's yeah. a
2: lot of you learn a lot about Marlene. I feel like, and I, I wrote a uh-uh. piece actually yeah. at IGN where I, I think this leans into some of our thoughts about like what does Marlene know and how much is she kind of this kind of puppet master. But yeah, yeah they literally just armed a child who they is clearly lovely but reckless AF. Well, so I mean, she's, just, very she's a kid, you know,
1: she is a kid, you know, she's like there's, child. there's almost no situation in which you can be like, we're, a, we're an armed quasi military operation fighting to overthrow, uh, you know, a despotic regime and, uh, and we're trying to bring democracy and freedom, uh, you know, back to child the United soldiers. States and that's, <laughs> and how we're going to do that is by giving 16 year olds guns. Like it, uh, it's bad. I don't, it doesn't work. So um Riley says, you know, she went and joined the Fireflies. Um, she wants Ellie to come out with her for a few hours, doesn't say what they're going to do, and have basically the best night of their lives. Ellie is like, well, I got to be a drill tomorrow. But she goes, of course, anyway. They head out to the streets of the QZ. Riley wants Ellie to stop fucking around with Bethany. Bethany. Uh, She's it's interesting to your point. Riley has come away from this three weeks with the fireflies. And now she's acting like, listen, kid, I've seen the world. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. as a as a mature adult now and owner of a firearm, I got to tell you, this little drama you have, it's small potatoes compared to what's really going out there in the big, big adult world. It's a little patronizing, just a little bit. Patronizing. Um, Riley, we learn, is a fighter. She talks about how she's learned to kind of like focus her rage, her anger on the things that matter, meaning overthrowing tyranny and reestablishing democracy (laughs) under the aegis of the fireflies. And she gives Ellie a little bit of a, you can't fight everything. Again, this this yeah. wisdom that she has gleaned in the three weeks you gotta at, pick at, you got Firefly training camp. Listen, I've been firing at paper targets for the last two weeks, and I gotta tell you, you can't fight everybody.
2: I mean, it's well, also like to me. I think this is a really interesting episode in terms of how it showcases the similarities because Federer yeah. is, is making child soldiers. That's what they're training people for. And they arguably probably arm some of those children. And guess what? The Fireflies are doing exactly the same thing. It's kind of the Kansas City question of, do do what do you replace something like FEDRA with? It has to be something better. It can't be the same thing. And are the Fireflies in a process of actually planning for something better or are they just replicating the thing That's
1: that they want to stop exactly what i was thinking so much about watching this episode this is maybe ju- uh, this conversation topic is maybe jumping ahead a little bit but i think the downfall of the fireflies of fedra of the kansas city um freedom fighters if you could call them that and People who fight for causes in the real world is this thought of, okay, we're opposing the bad guys. Therefore, we are good. And when we get power, we will be good. When in actual fact, you will just become the thing that you overthrew because no one has the clear eyed ability to look at themselves and go, no, actually, the The problem is not the people who are in charge. The problem is the corrosive effect of being in charge. Yeah, and And the systems. Yeah, the systems that we build. If we don't build a system that has oversight on the people who are in power, then we're just going to be Fedra part two. And this is not a thing that either the Fireflies or Riley or anybody is thinking about that we've seen in this world. No,
2: I think the only people who are thinking about it, ironically, is like Jackson, (laughs) Jackson, right? The communists. communists. They they (laughs) took years to plan a system with, from what we know, like democratic oversight and like extreme planning. But what has that meant? That means it's a tiny society that's actually incredibly exclusionary. So there's this kind of like all these really interesting conversations. And the thing that so blew me away about this episode is like, look, in our Discord, on the internet, the thing that is going to get you about this episode is the emotional arc of the characters, right? Absolutely. But I came away from it knowing so much more about the world and having so many more questions about the Fireflies. I, the piece that I wrote, I cover this show every week at IGN, and the piece that I wrote this week wasn't even to do with Ellie and Riley. It was just all about Marlene, because I was like, wait a minute, what does this mean? Because we'll get to this later. But they changed, so far, they haven't revealed something that's really important in the game mm-hmm. to understand Marlene. And without that knowledge, Marlene seems like a very sinister figure. And I find that to be a very interesting choice. Same. So yeah, this is just such a mind-blowing episode because it is essentially like a fun... Stranger Things esque, like, why adventure uh, to a point?
1: It reminded me of. I mean, it's it's so very very modeled on the DLC in which Riley appears. Oh yeah, it's like direct. But it also reminded me of uh, the the uh, San Junipero episode of Black Mirror. Yes,
0: very San
1: Junipero. Yeah, two women uh, together, just living a life in a night.
2: Which I also think is like probably completely intentional because I feel like a lot I feel of people like, felt yeah. like the, the third episode of the show, another great queer episode of TV, a lot of people, I saw them being like the gays, they have their Sanju Napero, like the cis <laughs> gays, like they have it, you know, the, the men have found, they've they found their space. And and I kind of think that they probably look to that a lot, that this idea of where can you find like joy yeah. in love and in queer love, even in the face of like an apocalypse.
1: X-Ray Vision will be back.
0: You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Mc Crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
1: And we're back. So uh, Riley leads Ellie uh, over rooftops, um, they head up th- into a building. Ellie is winded. They find a dead body there, which apparently was not there uh, the last time Riley has been through this building. They then take a closer look. Probably kind a good of- time to turn back. Yeah, I, th- I would imagine so. But then it's clear that the guy uh, committed suicide. There's a bottle of... Yeah pre-outbreak liquor, I think, next to him, which is clearly very expensive, as is the, you know, there's also a baggie of pills and we know the baggie at, at least is extremely expensive. Oh, yeah. Uh, so this this person went out with a bang. The hopeless has caught up to them and they uh, have killed themselves. And they they kind of like lean in close and they examine this person. They take the bottle of whiskey and then all of a sudden the floor under this corpse gives way and it just falls down. And it's a measure of how hardened you would be growing up in this world, that Ellie just fucking laughs, just laughing hysterically at this. Yeah. Um, on the roof, the girls sip from the bottle. Ellie asks, is that the first dead body you've ever seen? Riley is like, no, I saw my parents. Ellie's like, oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry I asked about that uh, as a change of topic. Can I hold your gun? <laughs> <laughs> Please, <laughs> Can you start, I, please this is where it began gun? she's like i just love guns Can I, I just like feel the gun. weight of it yeah <laughs> that would be i great. didn't i didn't love the trigger discipline uh <laughs> here but that's another thing ellie then asks okay well, why would you join the fireflies like what was it a boy like what was it mm-hmm. this b- probing you know clearly yeah. uh for for what happens later on riley says that um she was just out she just snuck out um, she's clearly was very frustrated with the kind of rules and regulations of Fedra. So she had snuck out. She's running around in the streets. She ran into uh, a woman who she doesn't uh, def- define who it is here, but it's clearly Marlene yeah. uh, who asked her, Hey, what do you think of Fedra? Uh, and Riley must have asked in the right way because next thing you know, Riley is in the Fireflies. And Ellie here pushing back against this kind of clear you know romance that riley is mm-hmm. in with this kind of like new mission that she has found in her life pushes back with by by basically recycling uh captain wong's line which is like well you know fedra they're not perfect but like aren't they the only things holding it together here riley doesn't argue with this now she isn't not not at this moment she leads uh, ellie on to where they're going she's a uh, they, they're standing on the rooftop. She says, look over there. You see those new lights? Yeah. Fedra has been uh, apparently running new electric lines to some of the vacant apartments and it has like service and house the growing population. And now they have that argument. Uh, you know, Ellie's like, well, see, Fedra's not bad. They're not all bad, right? They're giving people a place to live. And Riley says, yeah, but they're starving a mm-hmm. portion of their population. And Ellie says, well, it, it wouldn't be so difficult if the Fireflies hadn't blown up the warehouse where all the food is kept and then riley's like no we didn't do that and then ellie's like and also the fireflies are killing civilians when they get caught in the crossfire get you know or just happen to be around where these bombs blow up and then riley says uh no we're not doing that um and then she says the thing that is so bitterly ironic and she doesn't know it it's you know again with this incredible maturity that she's gleaned, like in the three weeks that she's been running away, is, you know, it's okay to admit that you don't know everything. Um, the, the implication being, I do kind of know mm-hmm. not everything, but a lot more about the world. A lot, more than, world, a lot yeah. more than you. You don't understand how it works. And of course, that you know, the, the tragedy of this is that they're both wrong. Um, and she also says, okay, we're here, and it's them all. Uh, This building is supposedly sealed up because it's full of infected. And Riley says, oh, yeah, well, if it's sealed off, then why isn't it sealed off? And they see there's a hole in the roof and they go inside. Um, What they find in here is that the electricity is on. Riley turns it on. And all the stuff is almost as it had been on Mm -hmm. outbreak day, like still the signs of looting at different stores, but electricity on really playing, fountains running, escalators running. It's such a cool visual. It's It's, a really cool visual. It's really
2: amazing. And also, I saw some people who were like, oh, how could you not see those lights? No, I've actually been to those American malls where the roof is completely solid, but it looks like there's skylights and there are actually electrical lights and stuff. I I believe that there is a version of the world where you could not see those lights coming on from outside. Now, do I think you should be like blasting carousel (laughs) music when... There is a I whole race they're... of infected monsters who can only uh, hear things. No, this is obviously a bad idea. But I will say I do believe that there I do believe there's a version where people couldn't see the lights outside. I don't think the lights are what you should be worrying about.
1: <laughs> I, I, I think the story will bear you out. <laughs> 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 um, Riley notes that, hey, looks like there's no infected in the mall. Like they've been telling Mm -hmm. us. So uh, score one for Fajr being absolute liars. She tells Ellie again that some of the stores are empty because of the looting. Uh, They stand in front of a Victoria's Secret store and they're kind of just talking about like what they're experiencing. And then Riley says, you know, I'm trying to imagine you wearing that, pointing at one of the pieces there. Ellie blushes extremely strongly. And then Riley's like, okay, are you ready for, I've got several wonders that you're going to experience tonight. Are you ready for the first one? And she takes her to a carousel. Um, And it's, it's gorgeous. One of the old school carousels with the carved wooden horses, uh, you know, galloping and full gallop, um, the beautiful lights and mirrored pieces all around the outside. Riley turns it on, it starts spinning around. It's I love the touch that it's like right across the way from a GameStop, like there's Mm -hmm. a GameStop right there.
2: Yeah. Um, Also, I just want to say as well, I love this because Ellie is like, Riley kind of in her jaded Firefly new persona, the carousel, that's like a wonder to her. And she can even see it. But like when Ellie sees an escalator, Ellie is like, moving stairs, like, is this a wonder? Yeah. And you really learn so much about, like, what Ellie doesn't know. There's loads mm-hmm. of great moments like that. Like, after the, the Victoria's Secret moment with this lingerie, uh, you know, Riley walks ahead and Ellie's kind of checking her hair in the window. And you start to really see that Riley and Ellie are not just friends, or at least Ellie would like them to be something more. I think, yeah. <laughs>
1: and, they both and, would like the exactly. other to be something more, but they're both, like... Afraid, nervous about exactly. I uh, mean, approaching it, and, and that that's
2: why you know really Riley charming is charming and it's so cute. And I have to say, Storm Reid is just so incredible here. She's incredible, in that Yeah, movie. She's amazing. Incredible yeah. in The Invisible Man. She was really, yeah. really great in uh, Wrinkle in Time, which I know people think is a really weird movie, and it is, but she's brilliant in it. Like she's just such. Oh, she's great in Euphoria. Like yeah. she's such a great actress. And something that this show has done so well is like they bring in cast members for one episode, and you just would do anything for them to stick around, you know? But this is a flashback. So you're already aware that that's not necessarily going to be the case. And if you remember what Ellie told Tess about getting bitten, Ellie claimed that she was in there by herself. So I think you're starting to get a vision for what this is going to be. But I love this idea that Riley is like, they're just friends, but Riley's planned like this date night in an abandoned mall, which by the way is the kind of thing we should see more in these post-apocalyptic storytelling I remember playing the DLC. It's like, oh, this is what, why don't we see this? Why is there never a moment where people take advantage of the emptiness and do something yeah. cool and fun? It's like in The Walking Dead, how is there never a moment where somebody like goes to an old movie theater or something, you know? like. Yeah. I love this idea of like the trying to seek out the human nature of having fun and bringing fun into someone else's life, even if, as we are sure to learn, this was a very reckless choice.
1: The carousel stops and um, the conversation about the fireflies starts back up again. Riley um, and Ellie uh, kind of argue about like whether they think the fireflies will make a difference. And clearly Riley does. Riley says, hey, they freed other QZs. This is probably not true. <laughs> like clearly this is, I think, firefly propaganda. It feels like something been that, that would be to join yeah, the fireflies. I agree. Um, uh. Ellie says that if, you know, like if you stay with Fedra, I mean, Captain Wong says I'm a leader, I think we could be running things in a few years. And Riley says, forget that. Guang had me on sewage detail. Like, that's what I would have been doing. They, You know, like, that's why I ran away. Which made me think again that Guang kind of has a point in the sense of, listen, sewer detail. Is it anything that anyone wants to do? No. Is it absolutely necessary for like the functioning of a civilized Mm -hmm. society where people live together and scale? Yes. Like maybe you could argue in the top three most important jobs that you could have is making sure we don't drown in our own waste. Like that's a vital job. But because it's not framed as this adventure, this grand fight against against tyranny, there's no romance in it. It's not something that you could use to groom young people yeah. to like get excited for. You know, They want to hold guns and fight the bad guys. Yeah. They don't want to go into the sewer and clean it out so the 20,000 or 40,000, how many people live here, don't die of some disease that is preventable.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think as well, like that, Is also partly Fedra's fault because it's clear that they use these. They
1: use it as rules as punishment. So if you don't
2: follow the rules, you're going to get the bad thing. But you're right. Like that in in a post apocalyptic world, that is a heroic job because that is something everybody needs to do every single day and needs to not die and not get you know sick and be able to go to the bathroom and. And I love that because it's such a good, smart point. There's something true in what he's saying. Yeah. He's but not it's not all about presentation. Wrong. They're not present. They use these roles as punishment and slight reward if you become a commander. But the Fireflies, they promise a mission. They promise a story. Yeah, they prefer romance
1: life. and adventure and fighting. against. Yeah. you know, we're going to do it and you can hold a gun. It's going to be great. X ray vision will be back. They move on to the next wonder, and it is a photo booth. And as a person who loves a photo booth, I'm looking around my office. I see numerous pictures of from various times with various <laughs> friends and other people. Photos are amazing. I fucking love a photo booth. It cost five dollars, which of course Riley has. She's been waiting to use she it. She is and prepared the camera. this evening. There's a wonderful moment where you know they're hanging on each other as the like, you know, like, and then all of a sudden Ellie gets a little uncomfortable by like the closeness, and so they. They sit very chastely, like next to each other, and they look at the pics. And Ellie's like, "Oh, I love that one." And Riley lets Ellie have the one she yeah, likes. Yeah, and it's at-
2: and it's this is a great like direct from the game direct. moment where they're doing these kind of scary faces, and there's so much childlike wonder here. I I just love it, and I love that as we go along, the five dollars is your first hint—the fact that Riley knows about this at all. You start to realize that Riley has like planned this. Riley yeah, this has, has spent in- time. Working Weeks out how making, to probably. present
1: this for Ellie. Um, next, the arcade. Gotta, gotta go to the arcade. Old school. I love uh, go- I get this excited. Stand up cabinets, coin up arcade.
2: <laughs> when I go to the mall and they have an arcade, which by the way, I am blessed with because a lot I of malls arcade. in LA have arcades. Yeah. I am as excited as they are in Absolutely. the post-apocalypse, just in a normal day. So I love this that, moment. I feel like it's very representative. It cap encapsulates that excitement. And obviously for Ellie, this is that game that we know that Riley told her about.
1: The I game that she never kid, got to play. I remember as a kid like being taken to the mall and just hearing the sounds in the distance as you got close to ah! like the change machine going and all the beep, 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 like, and just being like, oh, fuck, I want to go to the arcade. I want to hang out <laughs> in the arcade. I want to be there. I remember, like, I, I remember the first time I ever cashed in $5 for quarters <gasps> and just being like, oh, my God, this is like a treasure. Rich. I'm going to yeah. be here for, for 12 hours playing video. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, like the most
2: English situation, but, like, they didn't really, malls didn't really exist that way when I was a kid or, like, arcades in malls. But if you went to the seaside, the British seaside, as we call it, oh, the British like, seaside. The British seaside. If you went to Broadchurch, not to
1: Broadchurch.
2: Don't know, you know, to Brighton or, or yeah. Whitstable. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> if you went there, especially Brighton Pier, it was like they're just huge arcades. And they would it would mostly be ones to win money and toys, but you would get a couple of stand up cabinets. And it's that same thing. Hearing that noise and that like chink, 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 yeah. chink of the coins, it just makes you feel like a little kid. And they just, they encapsulated it so well here.
1: The excitement that Ellie feels is just palpable. Again, you know what a great job by Bella Ramsey. Bella's and the smashing first thing it. she wants to do is play Mortal Kombat 2 because as we've seen from previous episodes, she has heard a lot about this game. There's even a Mortal Kombat 2 banner
2: kids. in their bedroom. Yeah. they share. Like, this is like Riley's
1: hyperfixation. Yeah. So they play. uh, Raiden versus Melina. Riley wins round one. Uh, Riley then wins round two. And man, this hit because (laughs) anybody who's ever played Mortal Kombat knows that when you win... The bout, you get to hit the finisher. Your your character, you can hit your If you, you, can, can, if you your, can
2: press the button fast can do it, enough,
1: you can you do can, a fatality. You can execute your your character's fatality slash finishing move. And in this case, it's uh Melina's uh, man-eater move where she eats the opponent. And, and then spits pukes out the, out the bones. But the thing that I that, that really resonated for me was like playing Mortal Kombat against other people and being like Mad if they were gonna hit the fatale. I'd be like, you better not fucking hit the fatale. <laughs> Dude, don't do it. And so, Ellie's Definitely. Like, don't do it. Don't, don't
2: do, do it. it. Don't do it.
1: <laughs> and also, like,
2: because I, I love Mortal Kombat, that's like one of the video games. And yeah. the series, I play more than any other. I even love the movies. Like I love Mortal Kombat. But I tell you, I'm terrible at a fatality. That horrible feeling if you miss it and your character just goes like... Yeah. And then yeah. falls over. <laughs> so like, I, I also love, again, if we talk about Riley and how much she cares about Ellie and the planning, I know she was in there playing that game, practicing those oh, she fatalities. Even, she
1: basically admits it. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah like, because wait, that's how she here. knows...
2: Yeah, the, where the money is because how does she get the court she breaks open no, a change that. machine? she does all
1: the moves. She's like up, up, down. And then you yeah. have to, like, come on. You've been practicing all, a all the fucking Basha, moves. I'm a bottom basher, so you I do not stop relate. Um, now, as they are playing, camera drifts off and our friends are unaware of the fact that a few stores over somewhere here close by in the mall, there is an infected, heavily you know, scaled with cordyceps, uh, mushrooms, who is just now stirring into consciousness. Ellie uh, finally wins about
2: I just want to say, yeah, if we're talking about fireflies and their bad training. Yeah, like, like sweet trainer. Sweep them all. Sweep them all. What? How is that not like doing? the first thing that they taught her? That makes me mad. You have a gun. Secure the that guy fucking was mall, folks. You could have you just gone and shot that infected in the head and this would not be a problem. Because it's, yeah. I, I, I like as well, it touches on that thing like you said. I love that moment where you said, they're both wrong. That's the sad thing. They're both wrong. Mar- you know, Ellie is wrong about Fedra and Riley is wrong about the Fireflies. And I love this because this is a great moment of that. Fire- Fireflies were not wrong. Fedra has been lying. The mall is not yeah. overrun with infected. But Fedra was not completely wrong. There are infected in the mall. So it's that great gray area of like, what is the truth? <laughs> and in this moment, the most important thing is just that there's a single infected in the mall.
1: Yeah. And to your point, one, let's secure the mall if you're going to have Babe, a child. You planned this here so for, long. Yeah. Uh, let's secure them all, number, one, and tell her how to secure them all, and don't have her do it on her own. Have teams, and then second at of least all, one. adult. Uh, to your point, uh, the Fireflies want to overthrow Fedra and they want to reestablish a government. You know that uh, that I uh, ostensibly they would run, and everything that we've seen from them tells us that they wouldn't be good at it. Like they, Marlene and the Fireflies have have executed one fuck up after another throughout the course of this show. <laughs> and here they're doing it again, tasking a child with like securing a, a like a large sensitive space while sitting on a cache of, I guess, like important munitions. Like that's her job. And they job. have a child making. And they have a child doing it. It's ridiculous. Um, Ellie finally wins. Uh, they get, there, there's this moment where she and Riley get close to each other, but nothing happens. Ellie is then like, hey, I got to go back soon. I don't want to get in trouble. Riley is disappointed, but then she decides to speed up her timetable of wonders to really get to all the things that they want to get to. Riley takes Ellie to a spot in the food court, and we see that she has been sleeping there. We also see the the, the pipe bombs, um, as, as you said, and she gives Ellie the, the gift. It's the no pun intended volume two book. Hey. Dun,
2: dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. It's gonna be the curse of Joel's life.
1: For yes, the next, very like soon. six weeks. <laughs> so as they're trading puns, this is when Ellie discovers the pipe bombs that Riley's been building, and Ellie is upset. She realizes that Riley didn't discover them all, that she's mm-hmm. been posted here by the fireflies to make bombs and to guard this like arsenal that she is creating. And then Riley again shows her naivete by saying Hey, don't worry about it. Like the fireflies, number one, she's like Ellie's. Like, so what happens if the fireflies blow me up? Mm-hmm. Like I'm with Fedra, right? And Riley is like, no, no, no. I wouldn't let. I wouldn't that let happen. them. I wouldn't let them do it. And it's almost tragic mm-hmm. the naivete that Riley has here. She's so. I mean, who hasn't? at a young age especially, yeah. been entranced by the feeling of belonging somewhere, mm-hmm. like finding a community, and and there being like a real... It's like almost like falling in love. You realize, oh, I'm it around is. people who are like me, and we have a, you know... She really believes that, oh, everyone's like me, and they therefore love and value Ellie. And they understand mm-hmm. that though she is in Fedra, she's good, and they wouldn't hurt her. And it's so childlike and sad it and is, understandable that yeah. she would think like this. In It's fact, that notion of grooming that, and brainwashing. I, I, that's exactly it, because I would argue, to your point, the Fireflies are counting on mm-hmm. people being this naive, or exactly. else why approach a 16-year-old to do this? Yep. You're counting on the fact and that not, they don't know about the exactly. world.
2: Exactly. And also not just that, you're counting on the fact that they're reckless, because yeah. think about this. In a world where Fedra hangs people for like going against them, for the smallest infractions, we even saw this in Boston. So we know it's yeah. the case where Riley grew up. Riley, a random woman in the street asked her what she thought about Fedra and Riley started chatting shit and yeah. badmouthing Fedra. That in itself, that is like, not a good you idea. are not stealth. Yeah. Like you're, yeah. this is a problem. But it shows that, that the anger and hatred towards Fedra, I think probably very understandably being raised in a Fedra orphanage, bubbles to the top in Riley and they can take advantage of that. And I think this is such a heartbreaking narrative reveal because I think they do such a good job seeding how much Riley's planned it. And I do believe that Riley planned this date, but the date is secondary and just the offshoot of this mission that she has. And that's heartbreaking because to Ellie, it proves to Ellie that she's second. She ran away for three weeks. She didn't know where she was. She thought she was dead. And then she did this beautiful, huge like romantic gesture but it was really just an offshoot of this mission that she that's had that took point. her away from ellie that's so heartbreaking because two things can be true it's romantic it's kind she put thought into it but it wasn't the purpose of her being in the mall this wasn't right. something for the two of them
1: it's not just ellie she's in love with she is in love with being a firefly mm-hmm. truly um it's a great point ellie is now furious, and rightly so, honestly, and she notes, hey, none of this shit was even about me, you were already here, they ordered you to do this, yada yada, I'm out. Uh, Riley tells Ellie that, um, well, if you're leaving, this is it, just so you know, like, I'm leaving, too. Like, Marlene is giving me my posting, I'll be leaving Boston, tonight's my last night here. Ellie asks, why did you bring me here then? And Riley's like, because I wanted to see you, I wanted to say goodbye. Ellie leaves, um, then doubles back. Just the thought of leaving Riley under these circumstances, it, it brings her up short. And here's this show has been doing this all season, which is subverting, giving us these little fake outs where you think yeah, the this thing is so that you fun. expect to happen. And it's always based around some point of the game that, that, that the game players would be expecting. And here is that moment. She comes back. You hear screams. She runs up panicked. Riley, are you okay? But it isn't Riley. It's one of those Halloween decorations. Yeah, it's like a, a spirit Halloween. Her, yeah, yeah. Where it like,
2: and it's like, ah, 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 ah. And it's like waking up and sitting back down yeah. in its little skeleton and, bed.
1: And it's they're in this Halloween store. She finds Riley just kind of sad, moping in this Halloween store. And Riley says, surprise, it's the fifth wonder. And it's the store. Uh, she thought Ellie would love it. So she saved it for last. Riley gives Ellie the book of puns. Um, Ellie tells Riley that Basically, she doesn't think that she understands what the Fireflies are really about. Um, and Riley, again, says, like, you think you know everything, but you don't know everything. But then she kind of admits that Ellie is right. She basically mm-hmm. says, like, hey, you don't understand what it's like to feel like I'm part of a mission, part of a community. They chose me. I matter to them. Um, and it, it's a way of saying, yes, yes. Maybe I don't know everything that the Fireflies are doing, but they want me, so I want Yeah, how they back.
2: make me feel is more important. Also, yeah. I think it's really, it, there's a really interesting thing here where, um, you know, Riley is not callous to her feelings about Ellie or Ellie's feelings. Riley asked Marlene if Ellie could go with her, and yeah. Marlene said no. She stays in Fedra. She stays in that Boston orphanage. Now, like I say... I'm not going to get into spoiler territory, but in the game and in the tie-in comic and in the DLC, there is like there is a reasoning behind why Marlene cares for Ellie and and kind of does these makes these choices that is a human reason. I feel like in the game, I understand that they may likely show this later, but currently, it feels like a conspiracy to me. I feel like Marlene wants Ellie in Fedra for a reason, whether oh, yeah. it's because she thinks maybe they have a bunch of kids who were born after the fall and they think that they could be immune and they want to see. Or maybe it's because she wants a plant within Fedra. I don't know what it is, but I found this announcement, even knowing what the game reasoning is, I feel like it's so interesting. We've heard, right? Ellie has asked Marlene about her mom. Ellie asked Marlene, are you my mom? There was a chance there for a conversation that could lean into what happened in the game, but instead, this just makes Marlene seem like she has some kind of shadowy, overarching. She's definitely.
1: Clan. And don't forget, uh, Marlene basically intimating earlier in this, you know in, in episode one that she's been keeping an eye on Ellie yeah. for a long time. So she there, says, "I put you
2: in that orphanage like it was
1: me." So and she's it's like so she's there's a reason, something.
2: and I find that um, really interesting.
1: Ellie basically. Is unhappy with Riley's decision, but comes to ex- a place where she accept it, accepts it. Riley tells Ellie that okay, we have one last surprise left. She gives Ellie a werewolf mask. Riley puts on a scary clown mask, and they play um, on. They play on on Ellie's Walkman uh, a cover of "I Got You Babe" by Etta James, and they dance. And then at the end of the dance, the uh, masks come off. Uh, Ellie desperately says to Riley like that she doesn't want her to leave Riley says okay and then they kiss and it's a wonderful tender nervy moment Ellie then apologizes but of course it's fine Don't yeah Riley's worry. like it's what for
2: fine. like yeah. they both wanted this it's like they this is a world where maybe in this night it feels like they can make something great happen between the yeah. two of them
1: and then before you know it, the infected is there. They hear it before they see it. And um, Riley has her gun out. She says, get ready to run. It feels like something Joel would say
0: mm-hmm. also,
1: which which it really the, does. The, the contrast is is so stark, you know. Uh, then all of a sudden the infected is within sight. Riley's opening fire on it, hits it a couple of times. The infected, of course, does not go down. It's, like, uh, almost, like, to clicker level or something of, of like, hardiness.
2: It, yeah, and also, like, again, I feel like the three weeks did not, was not spent well. They did <laughs> no, not think, like, listen, let's make sure she can do a headshot. Well. Yeah, She clearly. needs to know, or shiv something. Like, they, they need to know, she needs to know how to kill a zombie because she's protecting these, I'm sure, very, you know, expensive in the relative terms of the Last of Us economy munitions that could kill yeah. many people. Uh Maybe it would have been good to have one of those around in case there was an infected. Riley has clearly been told there is no infected. Riley is not ready for this. And it is like really heartbreaking to see this. Also, just want to shout out the fact that throughout this episode from the beginning, they're playing 80s music. So if we know what Bill's code is, we knew where this was going to go. And it's going going exactly here.
1: So there is a struggle... Riley is knocked out for a little bit. Ellie is on her own. Then Riley comes back too, knocks the infected off of Ellie. Ellie finally kills it with a head stab. So sick. Um, And they are both so high on adrenaline. Uh, uh, Ellie is like particularly like flush with victory. And then she looks at Riley and Riley's got this devastated look on her face. And they realize they've both been bitten. And so- they're dead, essentially. We go back to the house. Joel is shivering on the floor. Ellie is still standing on the door. All of these thoughts have flashed through her mind in the, in the seconds that she had been standing on the other side mm-hmm. of that door. And, and it steals her for what comes next. She thinks, I'm not going to lose Joel the way I lost Riley. It's not mm-hmm. going to happen. She runs upstairs, looks for any supplies she can find to try and stabilize Joel. Um, we go back to the mall And Ellie, in her rage at the hopelessness of their situation, is just smashing everything in sight. Riley is like, go ahead. There's more stuff to smash over there. She's really kind of resigned to this happening. I will say both of them are acting like there's no more zombies in this building. Like, you know, like uh, if you saw one, that would tell me there might be more. But that's (laughs) that's. For another time, um, Riley is really resigned to this being in the end. She says that, you know, I guess we could kill ourselves, but I don't want to. I think what we should do is go into whatever comes next hand in hand. We we squeeze every last good moment mm-hmm. out of the moments that we have left. And, and it's just really—I I read it as this very— young you know the 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 passion and strength of young love is this feeling mm. like even as infected we'd know who each other are yeah you know like that it's I, that, it's almost that kind of uh, that kind of statement of like uh-huh. yes but we'll be together exactly in whatever comes I next i actually
2: i really love how in this final moment riley actually has like this immense amount of wisdom. Like we've kind of yeah. joked about this three weeks of wisdom that she got from the fireflies. But in this moment, she has a recognition that like no one else really has had apart from Sam. So it's kind of that childlike wonder of, you know what? One, we could still have four or five hours together in this morning yeah. where we remember each other. So let's make yeah. the most of that. And two, who knows what happens? Who knows what happens when we next. turn? You never know. We might just be both living in here, being infected together. And I love that is such an out-of-the-box, different, hopeful yeah. outlook than what we usually get, which is this you gotta kill them. You gotta kill yeah. someone. And it brings me back. I've been really happy to see a lot of people in the Discord reading um the girl with all the gifts and starting to watch the movie. Yeah. And I feel like this is really playing into those questions. Like we don't really know what the cognizance of a zombie is. We don't know yeah. how the infected experience life. And I love that Riley has this kind of, you know, uh. M- kind of that mind-blowing moment where she's just like, well, we could just enjoy yeah. each other and spend time together. I mean, I can't imagine how horrific that would have ended up being for Ellie because we know so, who survived well, and who didn't.
1: Yes. So they grasp hands and um, lean on each other and, and go forward into whatever comes next. We go back to the house. Ellie has come back to Joel. She has a sewing needle and she kind of grits her teeth steals herself and goes about the really, really hard work of binding up Joel's wounds. He passes out from the pain of it and we fade to black. Yeah, and and there's just before Joel.
2: Just before he passes out, there's this great moment where like she put she's pressuring the wound, right? Putting pressure on it. And Joel allows her to hold his hand. Yeah and they their fingers like intertwine and it's this first moment of vulnerability real vulnerability that Joel's shown Ellie and also I think that marks a change if 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 Ellie asked Joel if she was family now he would say yes it wouldn't be your your cargo you know this is she's willing to save him and he can feel that and he's willing to be saved in that moment poof what an episode
1: what an episode and An episode that really underlines Ellie's growth from a person who has kind of been the sidekick in a lot of the -hmm. important relationships in her life until now. And now she is really standing up on her own two feet and being the person who saves the other people. Really beautiful. And also, I got to say, is an episode that makes you see the fireflies in a very, very different light.
2: Yeah. It's a really interesting world building episode. Like I said, like this has... The potential emotional heft of a, of like episode three, and I'm sure that for a lot of people, it's going to hit that way. And it is uh, Storm Reed and Bella Ramsey is so brilliant together. Yeah. But the thing that really blew me away as a viewer and as a kind of somebody who's lo- always enjoys looking at these narratives, it was that world building. It was this idea yeah. of like, who are the fireflies really? What does Marlene know? What could happen that would explain away this behavior and will yeah. it come too late does it matter and also like you said arming children putting them in ch- like charge of munitions this is not some great hope for the future currently this is like dangerous
1: yeah uh well we'll be continuing our coverage of the last of a show here on the x-ray vision podcast up next nerd out
2: Spoiler, spoiler. This nerd out contains spoilers for the video game, The Last of Us Part Two, which would make me say probably just skip past this if you have not played the game or care about yeah. spoilers because this will likely come into play or there will be characters mentioned here who would come into play in a second season.
1: I would say and, also secondarily. Yes. If you are a show watcher who has never played the game. Exactly. I would also stay away
2: from yeah, this Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying, like, I'm yeah, saying yeah. just generally... Don't do it, probably. Don't listen to this unless you have played
1: The Last of Us 1 and 2.
2: If you do, do not be Googling anything about these characters. (laughs)
1: Also, don't do that.
2: Don't do that. Uh, In today's Nerd Out, where you tell us what you love or why, or a theory that you're excited to share, Rob pitches us a Last of Us Part 3 video game, which I think introduces something that the first Last of Us was arguably missing, though I understand why it was missing.
1: So here is Rob's pitch for a Last of Us 3 game and how it would end. Uh, Quote, the third act would end with Ellie traveling with Abby back to the new Firefly HQ. I would love to be able to switch from Abby to Ellie on their journey using each one's different skill sets or play skill sets to move the player along towards the goal and survive. I would also make Ellie's choice to sacrifice herself up to the player. So in other words, unlike The Last of Us Mm -hmm. 1 and 2. But I would love to have that be the choice, be the potential savior of mankind or act like the father figure of her life, Joel, and tear down the fireflies once again. So so in other words, Rob's pitch is A Last of Us 3 ending with a choice. As Ellie, you can either A, sacrifice yourself, save the human race, or B, kill all the fireflies.
2: That would actually be such a nice reflection of that first game. I and agree. it would give us that. It would. How much has Ellie changed over these games and what choice would the player make? It would give us back that agency that we never had and it would give Ellie the agency to make the choice that so many wow. people wanted her to make. I think that is like,
1: that could be a really deep
2: Here's, and interesting
1: it, way. I think this is great. Here is a pitch because I feel like This choice, it's already a video game. You've likely, you know, by the time you get to Act 3, you've replayed certain levels several times because you didn't make it through, and now you're here. It seems to me almost too easy to make the Save Mankind Mm.
0: choice, right?
1: Now, I wonder if you can add some stakes to it, like if you Save Mankind, I, I, I don't know how you do it, but if you Save Mankind... You can't play it, your next playthrough, you have to start all over again. Oh, like, I you like it. I like You know that. what I mean? I like, you know that. how, like, when you finish a game Player and you're in the end, kind of end game, yeah, you can, like, jump back in and play certain levels. If you save mankind, it wipes. Yeah, you that's what I was going to say. Achie- it wipes. You either, you do you don't, you, you, don't, keep all you can't your achievements. play because Ellie dies. Yeah, you, you know? keep all your achievements, but the next time you play, you have to play from the beginning. Now, if you decide as I would imagine either Abby and Ellie together or just Abby or just Ellie, if you decide to wipe out the Fireflies, then you keep all your saves. You can play, you can jump back into different levels and keep all that stuff. You keep all your DLC, regardless of what choice you make. But I'm thinking there has to be a cost, right? I like cost, idea. Right? Yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll say is the writers
2: of these games are like so brilliant at telling these stories, that I also think that there is a version of this where they get you so invested in this story that there are people who will make the other choice. Also, as well, it's the it's the Joker thing. There's people who just want to see the world burn. So I think there's that interesting thing of like. Knowing that you're making the wrong choice and the human appeal yeah. to make this horrific choice, and also the tradition of the game, which is to make the terrible choice. So I, I think that's really interesting. What about
1: this? If you choose to sacrifice yourself, there is no post. You know how usually you win the game, and then there's like a post-game montage. That's of what all I'm this saying. Stu- nothing. You get. You're nothing. Just dead. You just said. You just go black. Fade to black. Fade yeah, to black. You're Done.
2: Dead. Yeah. I think that's it. You don't get any cutscenes. You don't know what you don't happens. Know you don't know if it works. You don't know if it works. You don't know if humanity you, is saved. You don't know if the rest of the world keeps going on. You have no idea because you're dead. I think that is like such we a soprano ble- it. Just yeah, fade to black, you never know. And that's gonna just that, have people talking for like a million years.
1: I do love the idea, Rob. I think it's really great. I my I here's the thing I wonder. Is Naughty Dog so invested in their style of storytelling, which is in these big moments, you don't have agency. We mm-hmm. have agency. We're mm-hmm. telling our story. If you want to know about our story, you can play through and that's it. But don't expect to be like, well, now Joel's not going to do this or Ellie's not going to do this. And Ellie's going to decide to, you know, not get involved in this fight. Abby is going to decide to walk away and live peacefully. Like, um and so I wonder if they give Dog up, would up ever that power? switch it up. I, 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 I do wonder if they would ever decide, if they do decide to go back for a last of us part three, which is I, I would can't imagine they won't. If they ever do decide to hand over the keys in a key moment to a player. Yeah. I wonder.
2: <laughs> it's so exciting to even think about. Thank you, Rob. If you have theories or passions you want to share, hit us up at xray at com. Instructions are in the show notes, as always.
1: Well, that's it for us, Rosie. Anything to plug? Plug, 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 plug. Plugs. You can
2: read my coverage of the show, which is a, a weekly article that I write about a certain part of the show that speaks to me at IGN. Uh, you can read. I've I wrote a lot of articles for DC. dot com, DC Comics, now known as DC.com. Ever heard of them? Ever heard of them? <laughs> Superman, Batman, <laughs> Batman, Wonder the Flash, Woman, the Wonder Flash. Woman, Martian Manhunter. Uh, Yeah, Plastic Man. I actually got to write a Plastic Man article, which was very fun, about Kyle Baker's brilliant Plastic Man, like one of the weirdest, best comics ever made. I wrote a lot of articles there this month. You can check them out. I have a really cool one. Maybe, I don't know what days are. I think it will be out by the time this comes out, about a really underrated, underread Green Lantern arc by Christopher Priest and Mark Bright that was really cool that ran as backups in action comics. So those are fun. Uh yeah, like lots of articles online. You can I just when this finishes, I will be sending the much toiled over next draft of this secret project that I have. Hopefully I'll be able I'll be able to share soon. So that's cool. And yeah, I'm here twice a week, Rosie Marks on Instagram and Letterboxd, and obviously here.
1: our next episode friday march 3rd where we'll be talking about uh, the premiere <laughs> episode of Mandalorian season 3 big back the baby bring them back the baby we want to see him so We want to see that beautiful <laughs> now 53 year old baby that and baby of knows. course remember <laughs> remember we're bringing you two episodes twice a week wednesdays and fridays on your podcast platform of choice check us out And if you want to see us as well as hear us, you can subscribe on YouTube where
2: you can watch full episodes of the show now. Follow us on Twitter, we're at xlvpod. And check out our Discord. We talk about it a lot because we have a lot of fun in there bunch of amazing fans people who love all the same cool stuff as we do and me and jason pop in there every now and again if you want to do watch parties those are popping off at the moment we're going to have them for the last of us for mandalorian
1: five star ratings five star reviews we need them we gotta have them you gotta give them to us here is one from meligator family bonding I love and learn from Jason and Rosie so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gates. That means a they lot. They are very entertaining. And occasionally I can mention something to my 16-year-old. And shock her. Thanks for making me a sometimes cool mom. You're welcome. Wow. That's the power of X-Ray Vision. I, it really is the power. I love it. X-Ray Vision is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Chris Lord and Saul Rubin. The show is executive produced by myself and Sandy Gerard. our editing and sound designers by Vasilis Fotopoulos. Dylan Villanueva and Matt DeGroote provide video production support. Alex Relaford handles social media. Thank you, Brian Vasquez, for our theme music. See you next time, folks.
2: Justin and So Good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store.